I don't know. I, I love them or not. I never felt safe when I was with them. The girls are property. They are property for by the, by the family. So because of that, you know, the girls are sold out from their own relatives also. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Smartcast and Najahi Events. More about these two epic organizations later. Boy, oh boy, today's episode. Well, let, let me tell you a few things. First of all, most of you know I've been filming a documentary now about human and sex trafficking in different parts of the world. Recently, I was in Nepal and I learned about the Badi people. That community and Hannah Badi, who really is one heck of a woman, and her whole world was exposed to me. And I wanted to get her on the show so that you could all meet her. And also, Sarah who wrote the book that started this journey off. So let me introduce everyone for you so you know who's on the show because there's more than two of us today. First of all, Sarah. Sarah is an impassioned human rights advocate. She's an author, a speaker, a founder of Seeds of Exchange and Rooted and Beloved. Her book, No Longer Untouchable, is a human story of trafficking, heroism and hope. And she brings the reader into the appalling reality of modern day slavery as Hannah Baddy and her sisters tell their stories. Okay, that's the book if you're watching this on video right now. Okay, that's the first thing. Secondly, okay, Hannah Baddy. She's an activist, a lead storyteller in No Longer Untouchable. She's the CEO of Himalayan Entrepreneur Resources, an empowerment initiative in Nepal that gives health, safety, and autonomy to marginalized women so that they can live free from sexual exploitation and abuse. This is important. As a part of Nepal's Badi community, they are considered by many the worthless dust of Nepal. Think about that for a second. The untouchables of the untouchables. With that lowly caste status comes extreme poverty, a lack of basic rights, including education and citizenship of all things, and a life of prostitution. Hannah is passionate in her work to empower her sisters, family and community, the baddie people of Nepal. Many are survivors of sex trafficking. Hannah has been a voice for many women who have been forced into prostitution in Nepal and India. She wanted to be a light in her community and save as many girls as she can from trafficking. And by a boy, oh boy, has she done an incredible job of that. Let's cue the music and get into this interview. Sit back, folks. This one is incredible. Organizations such as Smartcast, who are solving the problem of food security in the world, have supported this podcast because they believe in the mission that I'm on. When you understand the work that they do at trying to solve the problem with this massive population growth we've been having over the years and providing a way of bringing food safely to everybody, it really is something I admire. And lastly, thank you to Najahi Events who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. Well, hi, Sarah. Hi, Hannah. Thank you so much for coming to join us on the show today. It is a great privilege. And I know with the wonders of technology, we've been able to make this work. Sarah, your, your book, 
we've got here okay everyone will be able to see a link to the copy of this book they're no longer untouchable really moved me when i read that book and to learn about your story and your journey was fascinating but then to get across to nepal and then meet hannah in person just blew me away so why don't we start with you sarah just give us a bit of a backstory sarah how you met hannah and how this all came about for you yeah, I mean, what what Hannah and I love about this story, this book, is that it began very simply. It just, this book was birthed out of friendship. When we first met, we had no plan of working on this book together, of publishing uh, the first book written in English about the Badi people of Nepal, which is uh, the community that Hannah is from. And so what, what I love to say about this book is um, just what you said, Spencer, our hope is that when people open the pages of this book, they feel like their minds are blown, their hearts are blown, they fall in love with Hannah and her four sisters that we introduced in this book, and that truly they are inspired to uh, think different and do different in the world. So Hannah, just tell me, uh, how, when you met Sarah for the first time, what was it like when you met her? How did you guys connect? How did you become friends? Uh, so first time when I met Sister Sarah, it was really long time back. And uh, so that time uh, we were, uh, you know, traveling to like different uh, uh, city in the U.S. for, uh, you know, that uh, movie, like a document for a documentary. And then, you know, I didn't know that I'm going to meet Sister Sarah. I, I never heard her name also. But, you know, so me and my other, you know, there were like a more uh, five sisters were there. So and then Uncle Hogan was there. So he said, like, OK, tomorrow you are going to someone's house and they, you're going to live there for like a few days. And then she's a, a great, she's great. And he's he I still remember he said, like, Hannah, like your energy going to match with her energy. And I was like, oh, OK, that's nice. But I was having like, you know, that homesick. It was my first time. You know, like, so I was like, kind of, I, I don't think so. Anybody can, you know, match with my energy. Like, I, I think about it. So when I met Sister Sarah, it was a different thing. And then, you know, like, she received us, you know, we were guests, but she received us like uh, her family member. And uh, I don't feel, you know, that I'm meeting, you know, I, I met someone that from, different country who speak different languages in language or like have like different skin color and everything but like i feel like i met my sister so she was like she's very funny very you know like you know like she has so much love for other people and her family they are crazy like me like love music like bollywood music and all so i felt so much love and i i mean she accept us the way we 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 are she don't even you know like think twice that you know like which community that we belongs so i mean you know like i never felt that much warm welcome with any other people before so that was like beautiful moment that i met sister sarah and and now we become sister for life mm, so Yes. That's beautiful. So, Sarah, just, just take me back to when you first heard about the story of the Badi people and what what it was like to hear that story. But also tell me tell me the story so that the audience can understand. Give me a background and an understanding of that community, what kind of challenges they face or what they go through and why you were compelled to get involved. Yeah, so the Badi community, which is uh, technically a caste in Nepal, 
also Hannah's last name. And it is a people group that are the lowest of the low caste in Nepal. Um, they're part of the Dalit community. And among the Dalit caste, they are called the, the dust of Nepal. Um, and what that has set this community up for is um, deep poverty, uh, lack of basic human rights, education, owning land. Um, and, and the most significant thing uh, about it for me, the most jaw-dropping, was that it has set up the women until this generation for body women. When you are born, your one source of work, employment, destiny is that of enforced prostitution, whether you are in a village brothel or you're trafficked to India or other parts of the world. And when I heard that, uh, I truly had uh, my, my mind, my heart was blown with the reality of what I was hearing. But the significant thing about it was it wasn't just I was uh, hearing something about a distant community or someone far away that I had never met. I was hearing this story from beautiful soul sisters in my home, Hannah and her sisters who were living with me for about a week, staying with me for a week. And for me, what I found happened was this cause immediately, literally a snap became deeply personal because I had come to love these women so much. And for me, it was the stuff of calling, of destiny, of uh, as this cause became personal, I, I literally said to Hannah, I want to do whatever I can to be a part of bringing justice, of bringing freedom, of being a part of your story and your sister's story. And that kind of friendship and that, that call of destiny opened the door for us to work on this book together. Now, Hannah, people won't be able, in, in the West, people won't be able to get their head around what your community have endured. They won't be able to comprehend really what happens in that community and process it in a way that makes any sense. But just to make sure that everybody is clear, the Baddy community from the age of nine years old, the kids, the girls in particular, and the boys now, but from the age of nine years old, the kids go into prostitution as their way of earning money to help feed the family. Is that correct? Yes. I I mean, uh, the nine years, you know, like uh, is very uh, crucial is for girls to traffic to India and start, you know, selling themselves at the village also. But, you know, like, but body girls are also not only sold out when they are nine years old, but they sold out when they are, you know, like they are on their mom's, I don't know what's called that, the womb. And being sold out, let's like just, let's nine, just give, give, yeah. let's give the audience an understanding of what being sold out is. So the, 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 the kids grow up, being sold out means forced into prostitution, correct? Yes. Okay. So they're forced into prostitution, either locally within the villages and the communities, or they're shipped to the bigger cities, to the red light districts, yeah? Who yes. are the people? Who are the people that allow that to happen? Does it come from the parents, or does it come from some external force? Oh, uh, you know, like when it comes to like human trafficking, you know, in the body community, it exists 
you know, like uh, since like 300 years back, you know. So, you know, you know, by the community selling the girls, you know, like they are at high risk and they are sold out most of the girls from their own parents. So the parents are the one who invite customer at home. The parents are the one who sold, you know, the girls into the brothels in India in different countries nowadays. So mother can sell, you know, their daughters, father can sell their daughters, brother can sell their sisters. And there is a, like a no, you know, that a relationship that can, the girls can feel safe with, you know. So there is a like grandmother, like everyone that they depends, you know, like on one girls, like, you know, for survival. So the girls are property, you know, they are, they, they are property for by the, by the family. So because of that, you know, the girls are sold out from their own relatives also. And then obviously there's a not only relatives are involved, but nowadays also like brothel owners, they also, you know, like involved to kidnap girls, you know, because my sister was kidnapped also, you know, anyone like it's because, you know, selling by the girls is very, very easy because there is a no right. There is a no, you know, like any kind of constitution. Mm -hmm. So there is a no strict rules and regulations that, you know, like if you buy a girls that they're, they're going to be like something, you know, that police going to come or like, you know, put you on a jail. Like, so those kind of things we don't have, you know, by the, you know, the community. That's why it's so easy to sold out, you know, that girls, girls can sold out so easily and through anyone. Okay. But most of the from their own parents. Understood. Understood. Sarah, maybe for the audience, you can describe what it's like you know you, all three of us were down there obviously hannah it's hannah's hometown and whatnot but we went down there and we were filming the documentary and, and you know, my eyes were wide open as we pulled into this place and the extreme poverty that i saw but can you explain what it's like and describe it maybe so that the audience can understand and maybe imagine what it might be like to be there yeah the thing that's really important for us to understand is that the people, the body people, that it's composed, the village is composed of mothers and fathers and grandfathers and children, just like any community anywhere around the world. What is unique to the body villages, body community, is that they have nothing. They have not enough food. Their villages are always in the most inopportune places in Nepal, the places no one else wants to live, next to highways, next to flooding rivers. And the, the communities are doing their best to eke out and to survive day to day. And really, generally, most people are not able to do that. So many people, many body people have no access to work, the children have no access to education. And so what has happened is these communities have, have often been left to make a very, very difficult choice that many people around the world would say, I would never choose that, but I just would say the, this tells how desperate these people are, which is what Hannah said, parents, cousins uh, are forced, have chosen to sell their children, cousins are choosing to abduct their own family members and take them into these red light districts or sell them to brothels. Wow. Hannah, you're, you're this kind of shining example of a force of nature that decided to say no. How did you 
how did you sum the courage up to do that? How could, when everybody else had to say yes, when everybody else just did what everybody else before them had done, why did you say no? Um, saying no was very hard for me also, as you know, like as a human being that uh, I think it's uh, saying no is one of the most hardest things that you can, you know, um, like you, I mean, this is hardest things that you're going to make, like ever you make this kind of decision. So for me, saying, saying no was very hard, but I mean, I was also uh, very, you know, like, in that that in that environment where I can't even say no, even though like I wanted to say no, but you know I always suffer. I always say yes to everything. I yet say yes to my parents. I say yes to anybody who trusts me. I say yes to everyone who wanted to just use me. And I say yes to perform dance front of consumer. I said yes for everything, but like but. You know, like I saw my mom is struggling. I saw my sister are struggling. They, you know, like they wanted to, they were screaming. Like, you know, like I heard, you know, my mom say no, for, you know, like not front of people, but I, I saw my mom saying no to, you know, to herself, to, you know, like, so those things, you know, all the struggle, like all the pain that I saw, you know, that my, my sister were like, you know, the suffering and everything. And that makes me feel strong. That makes me feel like, okay, I think I have to say no. So if I don't say no, that who's going to say no? Because yes, I got opportunity to study, you know, like I got opportunity to live in a safe place, then have, you know, the career dream. So I feel like, okay, I have to say no. And it was very hard, but I try and try and try it. And then that gives me energy, like that gives me strength to say no. For the customer, I say no. The, the man who just wanted to buy me for, for, a, for a one night, I, I was nine years old. Like, you know, I, I went out to rescue. But like that time I say no, like I never sold out in the brothel when even though I was in a village, I was nine years old girl. But I always encourage other sister to say no also because that no word was like, if you say no, it's no means no, you know? Hannah, what made you then not only say no, but then go and then decide that you were going to help everybody else? What was it? What was different about you that made you do that? Because give me some numbers here. How many girls have you saved? Uh, so for the first time, we were saved like, 32 girls and now like almost like 682 682 girls have been saved from this life by you it's, yeah? it's just yeah yeah it's just just like it's a i mean there's a uh, like uncountable i can't even count like how many girls but you know the the girls who were rescued to you know brought to the hostel there was like 682 girls so that why i you know like support these girls why i always you know wanted to save these girls because you know whatever going on with my you know like surrounded me you know like i feel this is not right you know like because we were human beings but we're like treated like uh, you know animals we're like not allowed to go to school we're not allowed to go to any temple that we're not allowed to even touch like you know the you know that temple that is just, just nearby our village. 
and then we're not allowed to go to even like use public transportation because we're untouchable. So we're considered as like, you know, the untouchable because of our last name that I was not able to not allowed to go and use any kind of, you know, the things that other citizens use for their, you know, own benefit. And we're not allowed to have a job. We're not allowed to, you know, uh, go to hospital. We're not allowed to go to police station. I mean, there was uh, so many boundaries. There were so many lines that, you know, that uh, this society draw for us. They say like, okay, you're by the community. You're just only, you know, you just only exist here to entertain people. It doesn't matter. You perform dance or like you, you sell yourself. So that was our future. That, I, al I never dreamed that I'm gonna, you know, have big dreams in future. I always, as a growing up, you know, like a little girl, I always dreamed to go to, you know, brothel in India. One day sell myself and feed my parents and help my, you know, brother and sister. So that was my dream. Every girls in the village, that was our dream. I never dreamed to be like, you know, like I want, you know, that small girls, like small, like children, they always dream to be like doctor, pilot, or like, you know, like many dreams they always carry. But we, I don't even know that, you know, how that doctors looks like, because I never saw them before. So, you know, but like, when I saw the other people that just nearby our village, other children, they were going to school just front of us. Wearing like, you know, the nice, you know, the wearing shoes and like a full cloth. That was our dream. And like eating, you know, the, you know, the, let's say the rice, we eat rice here in Nepal, like eating rice and sleeping, you know, on time. That was our dream. So, Whenever I saw the little girls are suffering because my, you know, that sister was sold out and my old friends were like sold out. They were like eight, nine years old, just front of my eye. But I feel that's not good. You know, I, I feel like, okay, that's not, you know, right. Because like I'm also human and they are also human. So why I can't go to school? You know, why I'm not allowed it? So those kind of questions that I always have. But there was no opportunity, obviously, you know. I mean, there was like, they, I mean, so many people, they used to come to our village. Many men, like different men, right? Politician, like army, police, like every kind of, you know, people they came, like journalists, you know. But they come in our village, they came just only for sex, you know. They don't come to help us. But, you know, like when I got that opportunity and then I feel like, okay, this is my time. I think now I can speak up. I can say no to my parents to stay here in a village and sell myself and feed them. And I, that day, for the first time, I felt like, okay, I think my dad, he can work. He's strong enough to work. So, and that day, you know, like, I feel, I feel strong because I got, you know, like very, I mean, support, obviously, you know, like, um, it was impossible to fight, you know, with, with whole community, you know, like a only nine years old girl, you know, so, but I got like support from the people that was loving me so much. And they were saying, Hey, we're here for you. 
And that gives me strength to speak up. That gives me, you know, the strength to say no to my parents, not only my parents, but I said, you know, no to on behalf of 34 girls, 32 girls. So we fight for it. And I feel like, I think if you start fighting for yourself, for others, I think the battle is not so hard. Mm, really interesting. Sarah, just describe to me why you think, what, what, what you think makes Hannah different. Oh my goodness. People have to read the book to hear the full answer to this. I'm sure but they will. <laughs> a couple things that come to mind. Um, you know, I, I was so intrigued by her answer to your question, your question about no, because when we wrote this book, I said, Hannah is a warrior. She is a warrior who is fighting. Yes, for herself. But I would say what makes her extremely powerful and interesting is that she is truly fighting. She is fighting for her life, for the lives of everybody, woman, and beyond. She is fighting for the freedom, for women to be well, to have choices, to live big, beautiful lives all over Nepal, but not. it doesn't even stop at the borders of Nepal. I think what makes Hannah interesting is she is fighting for women everywhere to live well, to be connected with each other, to build this global sisterhood. And I think anyone who hears her story feels a little bit of that, either for the first time or they hear it and they think, oh my gosh, this has been me. And now I have a brand new you know, soul sister, which I think is what you felt, Spencer. I saw it. She just creates love, connection, the sense of I am fighting, come and join me. Dare you, dare you try to do a little something with me to bring freedom and love and light to the world. And I think that's uh, truly inspiring. And it makes people, anyone who, meet, who meets Hannah is inspired to, um, to do whatever they can to make a difference in the world. Mm, well said. Okay. You've done a remarkable job of taking nearly 700 girls out of that environment. By taking them out of the environment, Hannah, what did you do? Where, where, where did you take them? Paint a picture for me so we can understand where the girls have gone and what their future looks like now, please. So uh, for the first time that, you know, uh, organizations called Lighthouse Foundation Nepal, they rescued me. You know, like, and my sisters also, and a great man, Rajasundas, obviously, he's my uncle. And uh, so I call him uncle. <laughs> so he's like my father also. So, you know, like, uh, when they rescued us, you know, they brought us in Kathmandu, and there was like, you know, there's a hostel. And uh, so it was a different kind of environment, you know, like, it was our first time. To we ever seen like you know that everything was very new for us you know like all the like you know that uh, it, it was we feel like it's a different world like it's not we because we never even you know dream to see this kind of world you know like we never even think that you know like outside of our village there's another village also you know like it's a very beautiful there's a people that who loves you so much and there's a people they're gonna accept you there's people that who's gonna touch you also like you know acceptance and those things is a very far away but like we were like never think that we are also touchable you know 
we also you know like we never thought that we're also you know like deserve like so much hugs like love and care you know but like we got that in a hostel so you know like all the girls you know who live in the lighthouse and uh, they we found you know like hope there we found you know like strength and uh, you know love can change anything so i think that love changes so we we never got that before i i don't know even like when people they ask me like they say like hey how much you love your your father or your mother and i always answer them like i i don't know i i love them or not yes i care for them because i never felt that love you know i never felt safe when i was with them and like you know like when whenever the people they ask me hey did you miss your home i always say like ah oh, i i don't know which home you're talking about because the home that i i grew up there was no window and there was no door there was like everything was open and like anyone can come and touch you anyone can and come you like rape you like it doesn't matter like you're sleeping it doesn't matter how old are you you know so but i got everything here in lighthouse and our all sisters also and now like you know those sister like for the first time we were 32 girls and then after that is growth and is you know become bigger and bigger and bigger and then you know like 682 chill you know the girls they started living in kathmandu having good life and not only they they are they are safe but like they they are able to carry the big dreams and you know through that dreams now the you know the in, in the history of badik you know the badik community the for for the first time the you know that um, the girls are starting nurse programs the girls are they you know they're starting uh, you know the doctor the girls are they become you know they're starting journalists in journalism and the girls are you know like dreaming to become prime minister of nepal also so that's you know uh, through this opportunity through this you know like uh, i don't say that there was a big hand but the, through that one man changed 682 you know that girl's life so now like we are carrying dreams like we are fighter now we feel like okay enough is enough you know now we are saying okay my sister was sold out my my older sister was sold out but i'm not going to allow my younger sister to sold out you know see is feel same thing that i i i felt you know i i don't want her to you know like suffer what i suffer so no it this is not only my you know like it does not only my voice but this is the all the body goes voice is now right now you know so they they are fighter now like they are happy they are living their life and they are you know struggling obviously you know life is not easy but still but it is better than before you know so but we're like i i always say they are warrior so the, my all sisters are warrior <laughs> and uh, i'm so grateful to be a part of you know like like small you know playing a small role to build their life yeah. and uh, you know like just say them to like hey i'm here for you i know your mom was not there to protect you but like here am i like here i am i'm here for you so that's makes beautiful and um, yeah slowly we're try to change our community 
and uh, maybe someday like we're gonna change mm -hmm. this world also <laughs> okay so ha hannah <laughs> yeah it's 2022 times have moved yes. on surely there's now laws that protect the baddie community are there laws now in nepal protecting the baddie community yeah they said yes they have i i mean i never felt I never feel that there is a, you know, law for, for Badi people. And because, uh, you know, like there is a only in a paper, but they said like, yeah, Badi, you know, that uh, Badi, you know, the sisters, they, they, they are going to stop like prostitution. They're going to stop selling themselves. It isn't a law, but I still, the girls are sold out in brothels. Still the girls, they're selling themselves only one packet of biscuit, like 10 years old girl. You know, they are selling themselves only for one packet of... Well, hold on, hold on, hold, whoa, whoa, hold on. So... H hold on, hold on. And there is the a... The girls are selling themselves, i.e. they're having sex with men for a packet of biscuits. Yeah. Yes. Till today. Wow. So, and then where is law? So I, I, I don't, I don't call like, you know, the, myself that I'm protected, protected by, you know, that government law. I, I don't call myself that. I'm still not safe. Yes, I'm educated. I'm confident. Here I am that I'm sharing my story with you. But when I go outside from my hostel and when I tell my last name, the people, and they treat me like I'm nothing. They treat me like I'm like um, still selling myself. I don't sell. But still they they change their behavior when I say like, I'm Hanabadi. So that last name defined who, you know, like, who am I? So, but like, they don't see that I'm human being. I have same blood like yours, you know? We live in the same world. Like there's a Badi community. They don't have, they're not from like, you know, they're not aliens, you know? I, I don't know if there's aliens or not, but like they treat like, you know, like we, we are nothing, we're zero, we, we don't exist in this community. So till now, you know that Badi people are like, there's a only 1% of Badi people are involved in, you know, that political, you know, like um, in, in involvement. So that's why I always say like, where's the law that I, you know, like I want to involve, I want to raise my voice and I want our government to hear our voice and say no to this, you know, that human trafficking. There's a desire you have yes. to be prime minister. If you were to become yes. prime minister. And I, I'm okay. going to be. Well, I, I hope you are. When, okay, let's ask this question differently. When you become prime minister, tell me, what would be the first thing that you would yes. change? Uh, obviously, there's so many things, but... First thing that I really want to change and work on like human trafficking because you know the the girls are sold out even they're in a small age they don't even you know like feel that they they are exist in this community like you know so but like there are like so many problems and obviously I want to work on education that I want to provide education like all kind of people, not only Badi people. Obviously, the Badi people, they need education, and but there are other community also that, you know, like they can't get education. 
so and obviously and then also i want to make like very strict you know law that for like uh you know if people they they be you know like treat other people like uh you know that uh, if they talk about like uh, you know that low, low cost and higher cost i really really want to destroy this caste system first i really want to you know like uh, make a law that just only say like okay just only you know that be human being like there is a no caste system if there is a no caste system there is no human trafficking in nepal wow you know just only the caste system exists in nepal that's why the human trafficking rate is very high because you know i can't get a job even though i am educated i have certificate right i can't get a job if i go to if i go for interview at a like restaurant or cafe or like any other companies and like they 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 said yes to me when they saw my outlook you know like they said like yeah yeah you are perfect i mean i think you speak really good and you are confident but as soon as they saw or they heard my last name and they would say oh, oh we are sorry oh, i'm i'm sorry we i think there's some misunderstanding that's what we we heard from them you know so if there is a no caste you know the categories caste mm-hmm. system and then the, i think all people they're going to be you know treat each other like as a human being so i think that's the first thing that i really want to change okay. when i become prime mm. minister I think that's a really good thing to start with for sure. Sarah, you've written this book. Um there must have been quite a moving experience going through the process of writing the book and obviously learning the stories and going to into as much detail as you have gone and seeing your enthusiasm for this community and everyone around us while we were in Nepal only cements my belief in that. Would you write another book? Is there another book in you? Is human trafficking grabbed you enough now and sex trafficking grabbed you enough now to make you want to investigate other areas or learn more about other people that are suffering and write books around that subject? I am 100% open for whatever story comes to me next. I hope and plan to write books for the rest of my life. Hannah and I have talked about at least three different book ideas in the future. So uh, it is my hope and sense of destiny to share stories that inform people about what is happening around the world in a very intimate, personal, human way and inspire change. So if I can, I will. Mm, Cool. Now, we... We know there's hope because we see hope in people like Hannah. We see people like Hannah being fierce and uh, and courageous and dynamic and driven and purpose-driven and mission-driven to go and achieve her objective. And that's fantastic, you know, being there and being exposed to Hannah in that way myself made me believe that anything is possible. But when you take into consideration the population of the country, you take into consideration the challenges that the country faces anyway. This is, in real terms, as far as the government are concerned, not at the top of their list of priorities. Would you agree, Hannah? Yes. Okay, so if it's not at the top of their list of priorities, what can be done to get the attention of the government? And I don't want to give too much away of the documentary here, but obviously we were very privileged to go and meet the prime minister, uh, the president of the country. But do you think 
the president, as great as she is, do you think she's going to take the required action, Hannah, to, to solve this problem once and for all and to help these beautiful, wonderful young people into a and steer them into a better future? Um, I think they are also taking some initiative, you know, that step. I, you know, like nowadays, because they have seen that by the people are, you know, raising their voice in so many areas like us. So, but even though I feel that's not enough. And uh, for me is that I can't just, you know, um, just, you know, stay home and just think about like, oh, okay, government going to help or like government going to change our community. I can't do that. But what I feel and what I found is that, you know, like if you start from your own, you know, like all the universe, you know, like willing to help you. So just, I, I'll give you an example. So tomorrow, yesterday I met, you know, the prime minister of Nepal. So I, so he invited me in his one, you know, residential, like, you know, that in his house, like his one house. And then he said, okay, Hannah, I'll give you like just 30 minute time. Just you just share what you want. But I was there. So we started talking and then he listened to me like almost two and a half hour. <laughs> yeah. So we share coffee in the same table. And then he was so inspired. And so, and then I gave my book and he started reading my book, like in the, you know, the, in the meeting hall, like we were just, we we're talking and he started reading. And then he said, if you are willing to, I mean, the, you know, there is a different parties in Nepal, right? Like Congress and uh, so many things. And he said, okay, Hannah, I would love you to join my party. I would love you to work for us. You join us and you learn us. And he said, like, he don't only say that join us. He said, like, next week, I'm going to announce publicly that now you are a member of my party. So as a body girl, it's impossible. Eh? Like, you know, we can't even dream about it. We never dream about it, you know. But they saw something on me. Like, they saw the, that, you know, that hard work that I've done. They saw that, that I can raise a voice for my people and they are feeling like insecure that we can like just, you know, fight for our rights because the nowadays in 2022, people are talking about like animal rights, you know, like a jungle right and so many rights. But like as a body people, like we're, we don't even get like simple, like even the like, you know, like basic human right. So, so it's, it's, it's against, you know, the law, it's against what their action also. So it was really great privilege for me to go. And, you know, like one thing I'll tell you that he gives me his pain, like he was holding pain and he signed, you know, like his uh, paperwork and all. He said, he gave me, he said like, Hannah, I give you this gift, you know, this pain that you can ride in the future, whatever you were, you were carrying your dream. And I, I wish you were going to, you know, you were going to fulfill that dream. So. I mean, it was a big thing for me, you know, like not only presidency is very positive, positive about, you know, like my work and what I am doing, but like, you know, the from yesterday that president, uh, prime minister of Nepal, like he knows that what, 
you know, I'm doing. And then he's very interested. And like he called me, you know, he said he's going to call me again. So it was really great privilege. And I feel that in some area and from some places, the door is opening for us. It's never happened in, you know, three hundreds of years of, you know, the body history. But now it's happening. So I believe that we, I think I, I, I'm born to, to write history. Because if I don't do, nobody gonna do this, you know? And we're first generation to have education, to, to speak our, you know, that uh, truth, so everything. So that's why I think we, I believe that um, as communities. Thank, you, you, you very clearly are a force of nature. There's nothing that's going to stop you uh, achieving your objective. I, I, I felt it when I was with you. I feel it right now. And I bet everybody listening and watching this right now can feel that too. Sarah, she's quite a girl, isn't she? Thank you. <laughs> yes. Every single time just takes my breath away with her fire, her passion, her poetry, her vision. Guys, it's uh, been an... <laughs> it's been an absolute pleasure to spend some time talking to you today i know we could probably spend the next three four five six hours like we have done over in nepal talking about the struggles of your people the work that you're doing and just 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 breaking bread together learning more and more and understanding this situation my job with this podcast is to make sure that the rest of the world gets to hear your story hannah and gets to read your book sarah so they can get a better understanding and maybe it will inspire them to take action within their communities or even take action by joining forces with you and helping you on your cause. But for now, thank you so much for coming to join us on the podcast, Sarah and Hannah. There we have it, Sarah and Hannah, two people that play starring roles in the documentary and Hannah really is a force of nature. I can't, I can't tell you how much she impacted me whilst we were in Nepal filming. Uh, her courage, her bravery, her honesty, and her fearlessness really was something to behold. And considering the environment she's been in, just understand this. Your worst day ever would be a dream day to many of these people. I can't thank Hannah and Sarah enough for coming to join us on the show. If you're listening to this on your podcast app, then it might be on iTunes. Then please leave me a five-star rating. If it's on any other podcast app, then please do me a favor and give me some feedback. Let me know what I'm doing well. Tell me if you enjoy the show. Tell me what I can do better. Show me some love. It matters more than you know.